first of all, uh, in your program today, hold up a program if you got a program. It, it says the speaker is Justin Rohr, and then you look at that picture right beside there. That is decidedly not me. I wish I looked that good, but I do not. They say I have a face for radio, so we go with that. Well, today is an exciting day. Um, I, I've known Marcus, Patrick, and Audra for, for many years now through, um, through different, the different avenues. And uh, Marcus is director of Urban Impacts, which is through Lexington Leadership Foundation. And I'll let him tell you more about that. But our, our mission here as a church, if you didn't know, is we believe that Jesus is restoring people who restore the world. And our mission is just to join him because we believe he's already at work doing that all around us. Um, and so we just pray and ask God, to, where, where do you want to join in with that? And, and the work that Marcus and Audra and, and, and the folks there at Urban Impact are doing and what you're going to hear about today is a picture of restoration of people who have been restored, who are bringing that same restoring power. And we hope this is an opportunity for you to hear about it and get connected to this. So without further ado, the man who is not in the program, Justin Rohr, thank goodness, Mr. Marcus Patrick, let's welcome him. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? All right, so confession time. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I met with John Gore and Justin Rohr, and uh, we were talking about me coming up to share um, a little bit about what we do and what's coming uh, in Woodhill. Um, and so I was coming with the assumption that you know, we'd be talking and have a conversation, and then I look at the paper this morning that said message. It's like, oh. Great, here we go. But it's all good because it's, it's, it's all Jesus anyway. Um, I'm going to start out by reading a scripture to us. Um, this comes out of Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me uh, because the Lord has anointed me to pro proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to pro proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the joy, oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Uh, so let's pray. God, we thank you for today. Um, we thank you for this opportunity to, to, to be in your word and uh, and to talk about um, what you are doing in the midst of us and sometimes what you're doing despite us. Um, and we ask that you bless us at, at this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if I start sneezing in the middle of this, uh, just know that I sat on a couch back there that has down feathers in it. And uh, me and down feathers don't get along too well. So Mountain Dew and Jesus are going to get me through this. Um... I want us to read another passage real quick before I jump in, um, and can we pull up um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. All right, so... Um, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yes, I am one of those people. Um, and 
I grew up in a neighborhood very similar to the East End area, okay? Um, in elementary school, in middle school, and in high school, I was one of the 98% uh, of the population of those schools, okay? A um, whole lot of black people around. Um, and even my freshman year of college, I went to Tennessee State University. Um, again, historical black college and university, and um, one of the majority there. Um, I loved uh, my, my, my youth, my growing up. Um, I had lots of friends and family around, um, but I always felt like there was some kind of void. Uh, I didn't really, I couldn't explain it then, but I felt like something was missing. Um, and all growing up, I had this idea that, that most young black kids have, is I'm going to play in the NBA, or the NFL, or major leagues, uh, and I'm going to have a lot, a lot of nice cars and a really nice house, okay? That was my plan. Um, I was a pretty good student uh, growing up, um, never had to study for anything, kind of zoomed through all of my classes, um, until I got to college, and me and chemistry uh, had a little disagreement. Um, but I went to college with the intent of semi-following in my dad's footsteps. He works on computers. He worked on computers at Oak Ridge National Laboratories in, in, in Tennessee. And he was pretty good at, at taking apart stuff and putting stuff back together. So I was, my, my intent was to get into engineering and do some stuff similar to him. Um, and the only reason I wanted to get into engineering is because I wanted a lot of nice cars and a really big house. Um, somewhere along the lines, I kept hearing from different people around me that you're really good with kids. Um, you connect with kids. And again, I never paid any attention to any of that kind of stuff. Um, but, but it kind of came to a head after my, my freshman year of college because I recognized that um, all of my desires were um, kind of fleshly desires. And I wasn't necessarily going after something that God wanted me to go after. And so I kind of changed directions. But let me back up um, to look at that Acts chapter 1 passage. Uh, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem. So let's talk about Jerusalem for a second. Um, when Jesus said this to his disciples, he was saying to them, uh, you need to be my representatives at home. Okay, Jerusalem is home. You need to make sure that all the people that you're familiar with, uh, that you come in contact with, that you see on a regular basis, that think like you, talk like you, look like you, vote like you, uh, you need to tell these people about who I am. Okay. And then he goes a step further. He says to Judea. So in Knoxville, um, I grew up uh, in East Knoxville, and we were the all-black high school primarily. Um, about 10 minutes away was Fulton High School, which was also an under-resourced community, um, but a lot more diversity there. So for us, um, in East Knoxville, um, Fulton was like uh, Judea, okay? We all kind of spoke the same language. Um, we all knew each other, but there were some distinct differences between us, okay? We didn't always like the same teams. We didn't always hang out in the same places, but we all recognized and knew one another. Um, there was probably a little bit of voting differences in, in those different communities. Um, but we all still understood each other. Um, 
and we got along for the most part, when it, with the exception of those hot topics. Um, go to the next portion, it says, in Samaria. Now, for me, in East Knoxville, uh, there's a part of Knoxville called Farragut, okay? Um, now, Farragut was very different from East Knoxville, all right? Farragut was really, really nice, nice houses. Kids played soccer in Farragut. Uh, that did not happen in East Knoxville. Um, and so it was a very different world from, from, from what I knew, okay? Um, and so that was, that, was, uh, that was hard for me to understand. That we, there were more race arguments in regard to our high school and Farragut High School. There was always something going down because we just never really understood one another. Uh, and then that last part says, um, and to the ends of the earth. Um, as Jesus was saying this to his disciples, notice that in each of that, he doesn't say in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth. He says all of it. Our call is to make sure that we're serving and representing him in each of those places. Um, and so as, as I was living in Knoxville and then, um, again, all through my freshman year of, of, of college, once I came back after that, it was all Jerusalem for the most part, Jerusalem and Judea for me. Um, and then during that summer uh, after my freshman year of college, uh, God kind of called me, um, called me to the, to the carpet on some things and challenged me to do, to do and think differently. So I decided I was going to go from um, being on a campus with a lot of people that looked like me to being one of seven African-American uh, people on a college campus at Johnson University or Johnson Bible College then, uh, right outside of Knoxville. And um, that first year was culture shock, okay? Um, now, I'm, I'm for the most part reserved, but when I got to Johnson, I became the spokesperson for all black people. Um, I was the one that, had, that was supposed to explain what gangs were to people. Um, I was the resident connoisseur of rap music, soul food, and all of those things, okay? Not that I chose that, but it seemed like every five minutes somebody was asking me a question about those things. I'm like, I didn't sign up for this. And so for a while, uh, I resented the fact that um, I had to answer all of those questions for all of those people, okay? And so my freshman year was... Um, it was a, a challenge, to, to say the least, and I got an, even a, a few arguments with some professors as a result of me challenging them because I never signed up to be the spokesperson for all people. Um, but what God did in the midst of that was he exposed me to other cultures that um, I didn't necessarily have the opportunity to, to be a part of, okay? Um, he called some people into my life that spoke some things to me that caused me to understand that the world is much bigger than 2767 Linden Avenue where I grew up. Um, and he caused me to appreciate um, different races and cultures that I'd never really understood before. Um, and so after that, I was, I was at Johnson. I was, elementary education was my major there. Um, so I had the opportunity to work at a place called Emerald Youth Foundation in Knoxville. And um, there I learned how to work alongside and serve 
uh, under-resourced kids, even more so than what grew up around me. Um, I learned how to, see, I grew up with both parents in my house, um, but I had extended family that, that you know, single-parent households. Um, but at the Emerald Youth Foundation, um, I recognized that um, everybody's situation wasn't like mine. Um, and even though at the time, um, my youth was not uh, much different from, from too many people around me, but I was exposed to some, to some things that helped me understand how to love and how to love deeply. Um, and I was a young, prideful individual, but at the same time, God was breaking a lot of things in me. Um, at one point, I had to sit with uh, there were three young girls who uh, my wife and I just got incredibly connected to, uh, Maria, Christine, and Samantha. And those three girls um, helped us to see that even white people in poverty struggle um, and opened my eyes and opened our eyes to um, to what life was like for certain people. And it, sometimes it's not about race. Sometimes it's about money. Um, and I had to sit as social workers came in while we were hanging out with them and told them that they couldn't go back to live with their parents. Um, and so for 45 minutes, um, I sat outside um, that building and I cried on some steps because I never wanted to see kids go through that again. Um, and what essentially was happening at that time is I was putting on a cape that I was never meant to wear. Um, I was calling myself to step into some situations and save people when that was never my job. Um, because of that, um, we stayed in some ministry down there and was, we were butting a lot of heads because the mentality that we were having as a family did not match up with the, the mission that we were doing. Um, and I recognized, and we recognized, after I had to fire my wife from hanging out with us, um, we could talk about that story later, but I had to fire my wife from volunteering with us because they felt like um, my relationship with my, my newborn um, was going to be a distraction from the other kids that we were serving. Um, and so at that point, uh, God put it on our hearts that if we were ever going to be a part of a ministry, we need to make sure that we are representing what a family unit looks like and we're going to serve together. Uh, and so we get to do that now, um, and we've made tons and tons of mistakes, and we will continue to do so, um, but we're living into the mission that God, God has laid on our heart because we're able to represent what family looks like. Um, and family for us is, uh, is a lot bigger than, than, than flesh and blood. Um, we understand that the family dynamics of many of the kids that we serve um, are not the ideal family dynamic that they need, they need to be raised in. And so what we do is we come alongside them and we help let them be a part of our family, okay? Not that we're going to be somebody else's parent, um, but we're going to be the other parent, the other, the other role model, the other mentor, whatever it takes for them to, to understand that there's life um, outside the walls of, of the houses that they live in. Um, but let me back up to that, that first scripture that, that I read. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is, is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release the darkness for the prisoners, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of, uh, oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. In all of those, those first three and a half verses, um, it's talking about this one person coming forth to help break down some of those barriers. In that second part of verse 3, it says, They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore places long ago devastated. And they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Um, as we read that passage um, and as we've kind of laid the foundation of our ministry at Urban Impact, um, we understand that our role is to kind of lay out that foundation. And the kids that we work with, uh, the extended family that we have, uh, they are going to be the ones that, changes, that, that change neighborhoods. Okay? It's not my job. Um, my job is to prepare them for what's coming and, and to help them understand that their role is to lead and to make change in the environments that they're in. Um, and so... We have a, couple, have a couple of folks with me right here. Um, my wife, Audra, and my kids are running around here somewhere, uh, Micah and Amaya, and my other daughter, Chloe, okay? Um, she works with me at Urban Impact. We are Urban Impact, and the reason for that is um, somebody saw something in me a long time ago and said that I was good at something, and as a result of that, my job is to then tell somebody else about that. At some point, she's going to have my job, um, and I'm okay with that. Um, because it is, it is not me that is supposed to stand and be the face of urban impact and, and to create change in communities. My job is to em, empower um, and help, under, under, help other people understand that their capacity to lead is much greater than mine. Okay? We see that example in, in what Jesus did. He said, you will be my witnesses um, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, I can't pretend that I'm going to be the one that causes all that change. So what we do is we build an army of young people uh, that can lead right now. Um, we teach kids from this age up to this age that you can lead right now. You don't have to wait till you're old like me. You don't have to wait till you get this degree or graduate from this place. You can lead right now. Um, and so that's kind of kind of how we see things. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a different turn and want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 for just a moment. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. All right, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. And I want you to, this is, you can actually speak at this moment. So, um, Somebody tell me a work of art that you, that you know well. Some work of art. Starry night. What else? What? Mona Lisa. What else? Okay. Venus. What else? Give me one more. There's a, I think we might have a picture of one. We know that one, right? Okay. What's the next one? What's that one? The Eiffel Tower. Now, 
those two and the other ones that were mentioned, um, those are considered masterpieces. But I would almost guarantee that most of us in this room could not name another seven or eight works of art from one of those individuals that you mentioned. Okay? Those artists that created those things, they're known for their masterpieces. If you look in the book of Genesis, we see God created the, the light and the darkness, the sun, moon, and the stars, plants, the seas. He created all of those things. And on the first part of the sixth day, he created animals. He created land animals. The day before that, he, he created uh, the birds and the fish. Um, the second part of the sixth day, he created his masterpiece, what he was most and well known for. He created us. Um, somewhere along the lines, our, um, our cultures have decided that different parts of us are not as valuable, valuable as other parts of us. So when we look at God's image, we understand that we're created in God's image, but sometimes we don't necessarily see God's image in other people. Um, and so my role is to make sure that the kids that feel like they're less than, whether it's because of their color, whether it's because of their gender, whether it's because of the neighborhood that they grew up in, whether it's because of the money in their, or the lack of money in their parents' bank accounts, our jobs at Urban Impact is to help them understand that no matter what you look like, where you come from, what you sound like, what you think, God has a plan for you and you were created in his image. Um, we're all image bearers, so let's make sure that we pull that out from one another. And so in just a moment, we're going to um, talk about... Um, what that looks like in the midst of, of urban impact. Um, and the way we see things is every single person in here has a gift. You were gifted by the Holy Spirit to do, do the good works that he planned for you long ago. Your gifting is not the same as my gifting. Doesn't mean that my gifting is any better than yours. It's just different from yours. If anybody in here likes superhero movies, uh, there's, a, there's a point in... In the Marvel movies where um, one guy says, we have a Hulk. You might know what movie that's from? The Avengers movie. Um, we at Urban Impact, and I can, I can kind of say that now because down the street from us, there's a guy that he's kind of hulkish that, that lists some stuff. Um, but his gifting is a gifting that I don't have that is absolutely, absolutely needed in the kids that we work with. There's some young boys that need some direction, need some strong men in their lives that, that are going to help and teach them how to live and how to lift. But he also has a counterpart that is great at a lot of other things. We have some college professors. We have some school teachers. We have a lot of people that can use their giftings to teach young people who they are and how God has wired them to do good things that he's planned for them. Okay? Um, so as I kind of close, I want us to, to think about what God has deposited in each of us. Um, looking back at my Jerusalem experience, God put me in a family that, that, that loves one another and loves one another well. Um, I married into a family that loves one another and loves one another well. So both, both sets of my family, um, we are good at loving people. We're good at loving people. And what I want more than anything is for the kids that we work with to understand that, that God loves them 
and there's a community of people that wants to be with you and walk alongside you. What we do is not something that we're going to keep handing things out to kids and handing things out to people. Our jobs are to come alongside people and help them understand that, that there's something inside of you that, that needs to come out. God has placed some things inside of you that needs to come out. And so our jobs, and somebody can look this scripture up later, is to plant seeds and water seeds. That's our job, plant seeds and water seeds. That cape that I used to put on, every now and then it tries to rear its ugly head and, and cause me to think that I'm good at something and I'm, I'm much better than I really am. But in scripture, it tells us that we are to plant or we're to water seeds because God is the one that brings the increase. No matter how hard I work, no matter how hard our team works, it's not us that, bring, that brings that increase. God is the one that brings that. We have to trust him in that. So let me pray for a minute. God, we thank you for, um, for who you are. Um, thank you for wiring us um, in ways that, um, that are different from other people. Thank you for cre- creating us as individuals um, that can love you and love you well. Teach us how to do that. Teach us in the midst of, of who we are and what we do, um, how we can benefit and learn and, and love one another. Uh, thank you for the examples that you've set for us in Scripture. Uh, thank you for your creation. Um, and we, we ask that you, you continue to bless us and, and, and show us how to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, before we uh, continue and, and take communion, we want to just hear a little bit about what's about to open on Thursday, which Thursday. is the Wood Hill Community Center. It's been a Four long days. time coming. Four days. And uh, so not only hear a little bit about that, you're gonna, and you're going to see some, some pictures of some stuff too, um, but uh, one of the things I love to highlight is when the Holy Spirit just puts on people's hearts, I need to step in and do this. And it's not the situation where you just wait on, oh, what, what's the church telling me to do? Let's do that. But, but God says, go and do this, and they go and do this. And, and with Urban Impact, um, our own John Gore a while back um, decided that God was leading him to do something. So can you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing through Urban Impact with the Woodhill Community Center and what, whatnot? Yeah, I guess this started about um, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've always had a passion for education and a passion for social justice, and I've kind of had no real way of doing an outreach that really combined the two. So um, I've known Marcus and Audra for a while, and I've known Urban Impact for a while. I greatly respect their work. Um, and I just thought, well, maybe I could think of some way to partner with them and come alongside some of the kids they're working with in high school and, and find their gifts and find their talents and find their strengths and interests and usher them towards uh, just some career development ideas and some post-secondary uh, experiences, whether that's college or trade school. Um, so we basically developed this um, college and career development preparation program that goes from freshman all the way through their senior year. Uh, and we've made mistakes in that too. I've made mistakes, and, but um, uh, Chloe and Audra and, and Marcus have been very supportive throughout this process. And we just really um, have developed this program and just walking alongside the um, high school students within Urban Impact and just helping them understand these are the things that you're really good at as early as possible. Um, so they're hearing the things like if they're good with kids, it's, it's much earlier and we usher them towards something like that. What I didn't want to do was do what many 
white male, middle-aged northerners with PhDs do is go, I'll handle this. I'll handle this. I'll fix it for you. Um, I did not want to do that. So I wanted to go in and say, you know, here's this idea. Let me know what you think. And we'll um, just sort of figure this out as we go. And um, we're really just trying to build upon that. And now that the Woodhill Center is open, we'll be able to do that a lot more uh, efficiently and, and frequently. So um, we're really excited about the opening of that, of that center, and we're excited to build upon this program. And if any of you are interested in um, joining alongside of us with that, it's, it's once a month, and we basically go in and we have all the program materials already set up, and you just can come and you can just talk with the students about figuring that out, helping them figure that out. So. Yeah, so that's just one opportunity. Tell us a little bit about, I mean, you, you say we have that masterpiece in us, we have that gifting. What would be the process to say, I wanna, I wanna help out with Woodhill Community Center, I wanna help out with Urban Impact, what would you say to folks out there? Um, so, a few things. One, the, the building itself is a little over 20,000 square feet. Um, we have classrooms, our offices are there. Um, we have an art studio, we have um, a fitness center, a, a kitchen, family room, recording studio, and a big old gym. Um, in that, there is only so much that we as a staff can program and can do. Um, and as much as we want people to plug into what we have going on, more than that, we want you to live into what, what you're good at and what you're called to do. Um, and so you can connect with, um, with us after the service, or you can look us up on Facebook or social media, um, Urban Impact. Um, there's a bunch of Urban Impacts out there, but we're the only one in Lexington. Um, look us up, and you know, there, we have applications online and that kind of thing that you can download and, 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 and just call us up, text us or whatever. We'd love to sit down and, and talk with you about how you can use your giftings to, to, to reach another generation of kids that needs to see something different. Uh, they need to see something beyond um, what's in their neighborhood. I mean, I, I suck at golf. Am I allowed to say that word? Um, We've said worse, believe too me. Too late. <laughs> so I suck at golf, but um, at one point we took kids to a driving range in Nicholasville, and uh, the kids were freaking out because they thought that they weren't going to get home that night because we were 15 minutes away from their house. But they were being exposed to things that they had never experienced before. So that's what we want to do is we want to expose our kids to as much of life outside of their norm so that they can see that their world is much bigger uh, than the street that they live on. That's so. awesome. This is, this is church. This is what church is, is stepping into situations like this. Um, thank you so much. Talk to him and Audra and Chloe afterwards and, and find ways to get connected. And, um, but one, can I pray for you? Pray for, uh, you probably need it with this coming this week, I'd say. Four days. So, four days. Four days. Here we go. Four days. Here we go. So, but Jesus, thank you for, man, the example and the faithfulness and the just the beauty of the fact that, that you took that cape off him because he's not the hero. He makes you the hero, Jesus. And that's what we need in this situation with Woodhill, um, with Urban Impact. Um, I, I just pray for, for your provision for every single situation, not only for their family, but for uh, the Center for Urban Impact. 
Um, and Lord, I pray for the, for the ones right now in this room that you have, you've pricked their heart and said, I wanna live beyond myself. I believe that church is more than a service, more than an hour on Sunday. I believe church is a family and I wanna be the family of God to my city. And I wanna start somewhere. May you uh, give them the courage to step out into that, to not be afraid to step out into that. Um, maybe that for them is moving out of Jerusalem and moving into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Give us courage, God, to step outside of our own boundaries, to step outside of our comforts, to step outside of what we know, because the best place we're going to find you is right outside. We're going to find you there. So Jesus, bless them. Pray for this week as the, as the center opens. I pray every detail works out, that everything comes together, and you would provide ways, Lord, for, for your church, not only Restoration, but other churches, to come alongside and partner and empower these kids in this, this neighborhood to be the oaks of righteousness, that, that, that display your glory and your namesake to this city. May we pass on to the next generation the the power and equip them to do your, your kingdom work. We pray, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we thank Marcus here? Amen. We'll definitely talk to them afterwards. We're going to take some time and to celebrate communion. Can we throw up that Isaiah 61 passage real quick one, one more time as we head into this time of communion? In Luke 4, Jesus quotes this passage as his mission statement. I want to read it again. It's just amazing. He says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. We believe that Jesus is bringing good news to the poor, to the broken, to the outcast, to the prisoner. And we know that because we are the poor. We are the broken. We are the outcast. And we have received in Jesus that restoration, that joy, that good news. And so we believe, one of the things we really preach around here a lot is we can't offer the world what we're not receiving ourselves. And so today we get to take and receive this sign, this remembrance that we have been set free by what Jesus has done. So followers of Jesus, what we do, we take off a little piece of bread and we dip it into the juice representing Jesus' body and Jesus' blood shed for our sins to free us to be the masterpieces we were called to be, that God has created us to be here in our city, in our world. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, no matter where you are on that journey, we encourage you to come and receive communion. I'm also going to be in the back. There might be some other people back there too. If you need prayer about anything, if God's put something on your heart today or just struggling for something, we want to pray for you. We'll be right back there. But let's take some time now. I want you to go ahead and stand. And as the band plays, let's receive communion together.